0: welcome everybody the last day in january wow one month of 2022 already over that's pretty crazy to be honest um but let's just jump into it let's start the podcast welcome everyone jerry's jargon i'm your host jared and let's make this quick rapid fire i mean two games this weekend both excellent games absolutely excellent I watched the Cincinnati Bengals send themselves to the first Super Bowl in what feels like. Well, I I don't even know if I was alive for the last one to be honest, because I don't I don't think I was, and maybe if I was, I was a small small child, but I I doubt it. I think it's been years since since then. I, I could look it up, but we're, we're we're not really that type of show here. Um, but yeah, I watched it from a gym, uh, ready to play pickup basketball and. Watched it on this little TV. It was amazing. It was it was such a good feeling to see the Kansas City Chiefs be knocked out. I mean, the credit to the Bengals, right? How could you how could you say more good things about the Bengals? You can't. I mean, every show has been glorifying the Bengals. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, the head coach. The defense stepped up, stopped Patrick Mahomes. Um I don't even need to say good things because everybody's already done it and everybody who watched that game knows and everybody who's follows this podcast this was eyes were locked in they were down 21 to 3 now you're thinking to yourself 21 to 3 okay it's really not that much for for a full half football but when you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs they can score on every single possession every time they get the ball they could they could score they could go down the field they could at least put up three so I mean, they should have put up three at halftime. But then again, I don't. I don't hate the decision to put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands. There's a big difference between going down twenty-eight to three, uh, 28 to ten, rather than being down twenty-one to ten. Even twenty-four to ten, you're down two scores. You're thinking, okay, two full touchdowns. That's tough. But if the Chiefs had scored on that final on that final possession before the half, you're talking twenty-eight to ten. That's a hill to climb that's a big hill for one half. 13 points, all right, yeah. 11 points, whatever, 14 points, whatever, but 18 points is a ton of points, because that's essentially, you're going to go for two at least once, so you're looking at three possessions, but it's just, it's a tough, that's really hard to do. You'd have to get two two-point conversions, and then a field goal to win it, or you'd need one out of the two to at least tie it with a field goal and another touchdown, so but, I mean, that second half was excellent by Cincinnati. Defensively, they adjusted so perfectly. And the reason was is because you saw in the first half, Patrick Mahomes had no pressure on him. But when he, wasn't ha- when he didn't have pressure, he could sit in the pocket. And Because when you're moving outside of the pocket as an NFL quarterback, you're still you're taking away kind of – almost. well, sometimes not for Patrick Mahomes because of his arm strength, but you're theoretically taking away half of the field you're rolling out to one side when you're out of the pocket. And even though you may complete a ton of those balls, because let's face it, Patrick Mahomes is a top, is top three NFL quarterback, so he's going to make a lot of those throws across his body. He's going to find guys in space. For the most part, it limits the ability to see, <coughs> excuse me, see receivers. And that's what the Bengals did is they really collapsed that pocket in the second half and they were able to force back Mahomes on rollouts, force him to spin around there's a running joke that only Mahomes can make this throw, even though half of those throws any NFL quarterback can make. We need to stop glorifying that because it's absolutely absurd. But that aside, we can talk about that tidbit in a second. That aside, the Bengals did exactly what they should have done. Put pressure in the pocket, make him scramble. Granted, they're not, they're not, it's not pressure in terms of sacks. That's the difference between in the Buccaneers Super Bowl, they were just all over him in terms of sacks. The Bengals, in the beginning, had no sacks, and then they—I think they ended with three, which is is a decent number, but it's not like it had ten sacks or nine sacks or something. But they were forcing him out of the pocket, forcing him to feel uncomfortable and make those quick throw snap decisions on one half of the field when they could compress space. And a lot of those plays, they were identifying Travis Kelsey, and they were saying, "Look, if you beat us with the other pieces you have, with Jarek McKinnon or Byron Pringle or Nicole Hardman or the other the other tight end besides Kelsey, sometimes uh, Bell, I think his name is." If, and e- even if you beat us with Tyreek Hill, I mean, he had 78 yards in the first half. And even they were saying in the second half, even if you beat us with that, we're not going to let you dink and dunk us down the field anymore because that's what they did in the first half. They dink, they dunk, they threw this. The five-yard pass here, run for another seven. Five-yard uh, slant route, run another for another eight. To 10-yard out route, run it upfield for another 17-yard gain. Like, that's how they beat – that's how they were dissecting them in the first half. And you can't say enough good things about how they defensively adjusted. And on the other side of the ball – the Chiefs' defense didn't play horrible. It was just put in a really bad position to succeed at one point with the interception from Patrick Mahomes in overtime and the interception that set up one of the touchdowns on the comeback. Right, You're right in your own... T- <coughs> oh, my God, my cough. Omicron. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's not funny. Um, even then, you're backed up in your own territory. That's really, really tough on a defense. So I think I think the Chiefs' defense held up as good as, as good as they could they have a ton of talent on the outside for the Bengals with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. You didn't even really hear Boyd at all. His name called Mixon was running at, 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 in the second half. The offensive line for the the Bengals clearly started to show out. He was running at those seven yards a clip, six yards a clip, which sets up the play action, which sets up sets up the Joe Burrow drop back, three step drops, quick 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 throw to T. Higgins on a slant, and he's running for twenty yards. Like those types of plays are what the Bengals did to come back. I mean, granted the short field on the turnover helps. But for the most part, I mean, just a great offensive, offensive um, set there, just getting those, getting those points when they needed them. Evan McPherson, the kicker for the Bengals, what a gem from the draft. I mean, he's a rookie. I mean, he's honestly top kicker right now in the game, besides Justin Tucker, because he doesn't count. He's like a he's a cheat. Justin Tucker is a cheat code. He's like in in when you were playing GTA, if you could. Grant have thought of for people who don't know what video games are, and you could just. Do the like the ten thousand buttons on the controller, and you just get the infinite amount of money or the infinite amount of weapons, and you could just you could just kill everybody in that game, or you could buy every house in in um, the Grand Theft Auto world. That's what Justin Tucker is. He's just an automatic. But Evan McPherson, one if it's if it's one, it's one and one a right now because he was he has not missed a kick in the postseason, which in shitty weather for some of the games. I mean, you're in Oak. I guess you were. You were at home in Cincinnati, which the weather is not great. Then you were, I guess you were, where did you go after that? You went to Tennessee, which is fine. And then you were in Kansas City, which the weather is not great either. So, I mean, good for them. On Patrick Mahomes' side, I mean, you could see the frustration for Patrick Mahomes, but also you're doing it to yourself, dude. Stop running. Stop trying to do too much when you don't need to. There's nothing – I hate this notion, and this is not just Patrick Mahomes. It's modern-day NFL quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, even Joe Burrow. You don't need to extend plays when you don't have to. There's absolutely nothing wrong with throwing the ball out of bounds. Your arms – don't give me this bullshit of like he's on the run. They have arm strength that can throw – fucking 100 yards they can throw it out of bounds when they start to feel flustered great example is late in that game with patrick mahomes when they're driving down the field and they they eventually get the the double sack and that was uh the field goal by buckert to tie it granted i had a feeling buckert was going to make it because he's also it he's like he's like one c of kickers i mean every it seems like every good kicker was in the postseason this year besides justin tucker but well, it's, usually that's how it works, I guess, on good teams. Although there are some kickers that are pretty great, like young, young Ho Ku or Young Wei Ku, who's on the Falcons, who's very good, who the Falcons just suck. But anyway, back to the point. In that situation, late in the game, with the double sack on second down, throw it away. Even on third down, just throw it away. You don't need to do this triple reverse field scramble. Try to throw on the run, make a good play, like or run on your own. Like it's okay to throw it away. Like in that situation, you have to have the quarterback awareness to understand what's at stake. You have to understand that, like if this is this is just with anything. If it's a if it's a second in in six. You have to understand that if you're rolling out of the pocket and you don't see what you have right away, yeah, you try to make a good play and you try to run for it or you you avoid a defender and you make a really good throw, but sometimes it's okay to just throw it out of bounds. I said this about Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jimmy Garoppolo actually kind of took my advice, not that Jimmy Garoppolo would ever listen to this podcast, but he threw it out of bounds a lot against the Rams, which we'll get into in a second. So I just think Patrick Mahomes, you needed to take care of the football in that sense. The interception in overtime, I don't really... It, I rewatched it a few times because I didn't actually see it live, but I rewatched it a few times. I don't, it wasn't really his fault. Like he threw it into double covers, but then again, that you could easily get a pass interference there because that's the way the NFL is. So I'm not really, I don't really think that was that bad of a throw as, as I think other people are saying. The first interception was abysmal. You were staring right at the guy. I mean, if, if the defensive lineman wasn't going to touch it, the guy behind him, 91, I don't know who that is. Maybe it's, it's not Hendrickson or whatever his name is he they would have caught it anyway he's literally right behind him I mean you could have snuffed that play out the Bengals snuffed it out well Mahomes just error throw that's all right everybody makes mistakes but for the most part in the second half I mean he just looked at he looked out of place and that's as a star franchise quarterback who's making that much money who wants to call themselves a dynasty people are want want the Chiefs to win they want that they want to watch the next great thing they want to watch the dynasty those are the types of games and those are the types of plays that you as a dynasty can't do I mean In New England, yeah, they gave up, they've given up big leads before. They've lost playoff games before. But have you ever seen something like that before? I mean, the Patriots came back from 28 to 3 against the Falcons in a Super Bowl. Like, that's what a dynasty does. The dynasty doesn't at home with Patrick Mahomes, with Travis Kelsey, with Tyreek Hill get three points in the second half, and the only three points were to tie the game to send it to overtime with basically no time left. That's the difference. And that's why the Chiefs are not a dynasty at this point. If they win another Super Bowl, if they come back next year, maybe they're going to be relevant for the next 15, maybe even 20 years if Mahomes plays forever. But that that doesn't equate to a dynasty if you're not consistently winning. The AFC West is only going to get harder The with Justin Herbert maturing if Derek Carr stays and if Rodgers somehow magically goes to Denver and... You're going to always have the Bengals now because the Bengals essentially are running the AFC North. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens will be coming back. We don't know what the Steelers are going to do right now. They're kind of in the, in the basement. Actually, I put the Browns in the fucking basement because the Browns were in the basement and the Browns have been the most hyped team and they sucked for the last two years. They've absolutely sucked. Yeah, they beat the Steelers in one playoff game when the Steelers spotted them 28 points because Roethlisberger literally couldn't move. And the ball was, and Marquise Pouncey, who retired after the game, snapped the ball through the end zone like four times and bent through three picks. So aside from that game, the Browns, they also, Steelers also beat the Browns twice this year so aside from that game um the Browns are absolutely in the basement so the the Bengals and the Ravens are always going to be relevant we've talked about how the Titans will still stay relevant so I mean if you're Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs, you really got to regroup. You got to make, make sure you sign who you want to sign. Nicole Hardman could leave in free agency, which is a, a surprising underrated loss. Unless you get Byron Pringle to stay, Byron Pringle could step up in that role. You need to do, maybe you need to assess what you have on defense in terms of a pass rush. I mean, Chris Jones is excellent, but Melvin Ingram that you got from the Steelers was not doing what you needed him to do in that game. He was not, he's not a game changer. He was great in San Diego and he was, he was just an average player. So you need to figure out that maybe that's where you can address in the draft. Um but for yeah for the Bengals onto the Super Bowl. We'll do a Super Bowl uh podcast next week. We're not going to get into the game, much. we're just doing recaps of the two games now. So let's move on to the late game. I did catch the second half of this game, plus I watched highlights. Um yeah, I mean you can't really the 49ers didn't play horrible, they just couldn't hold up against Aaron Donald in the pass rush, and you really saw that come down in the in the crucial moments of the games. And they just they just Jalen Ramsey, also Jalen Ramsey should have had a pick. Jimmy Garoppolo, should that's, a, that's an example of Jimmy Garoppolo not listening to me. For the majority of the, part, majority of the game, he did well. He was throwing the ball out of bounds. He was taking what the defense gave him, getting the ball to Debo Samuel in space. Found George Kittle for that wonderful touchdown to take the lead. Uh, or, sorry, to extend the lead, I believe. Yeah, it was 10-7, 17-7, extend the lead. Um, but they did not, they just couldn't execute down the stretch, and they couldn't protect on the crucial drive of the game. They could not protect him. Aaron Donald, Von Miller, those guys, they were making a mess of things. And they just couldn't get the ball to Debo and they couldn't get the ball to Kittle when the game mattered the most. They couldn't rely on that run game play action, like slow developing plays. And Kyle Shanahan, and I mean, but you can't really give him. I don't like criticize him because he's a great coach he's going to be a great coach in the future it's just you ran into a team that has aaron donald and has that pass rush and they had it going for him and stafford came back he wasn't playing that well early and he had the interception then he came back and then he played great down the stretch i mean when you find cooper cup and cooper Cup's running at 20 yards a clip i mean you can't really go wrong you make a couple of good throws to odell you got the running game going a decent not really that well but fine and you're making these throws, and that the, the backup tight end for Tyler Higby, I don't even, I didn't even know his name. I still don't remember his name because he's going to be, if Tyler Higby's back, he's going to be irrelevant in the Super Bowl, but he had a great game. He stepped up when he needed to be, and Stafford was taking the throws that he was given. He was finding the tight ends, the tight ends were making catches. He was finding Cooper Cup when the plays were designed. I mean, you can't say enough good things about Cooper Cup, which we talked about before, so I'm not going to dive into it too deep, but. I mean, for the 49ers, that's a tough loss to swallow, especially with the Bengals going into the Super Bowl. And you can already, you already played the Bengals this year. So, and you know what to expect. You That's a winnable game in the Super Bowl, in my opinion. If they were playing the Chiefs, I would be like, okay, they, their offense probably can't keep up with the Chiefs offense. They would have to hope their defense has like a Tampa Bay Buccaneers situation, but I mean, not that they're scoreboard watching, but the, let's be real. They're scoreboard watching because they're, it's the NFL and everything's plugged in. You knew who made it to the Super Bowl. You kind of knew, all right, if we can beat this Rams team here on this one day, we had to come back to the same stadium two weeks later and play the Bengals, who we already played, who we, could, who we match up against pretty well because we have a really good pass rush, and their offensive line is the, probably the weak point of that offense. I mean, besides – think about it. It's not going to be – it's not receivers. It's not running back, and it's not quarterback. So it's got to be the offensive line. And on defense um, – they don't the Bengals aren't the world beaters in terms of defense. Yeah, they played absolutely incredible against Patrick Mahomes in the second half. But the first if it was if the first half defense for the Bengals showed up, the 49ers were probably like, oh shit, we did it. But they just couldn't get past the Rams. And Sean McVay had a terrible coaching game from perspective of call challenges, timeouts. I mean, they had no timeouts left. If the 49ers were ahead in that game, they could have milked the clock. But they obviously they weren't. But if they were theoretically, they the Rams had no timeouts. That was just a weird, really weird Sean McVay coaching sort of error, which you don't see that often. So that was a little interesting little tidbit of the game. And, I mean, granted, the crowd was all 49ers. I don't know if anyone saw that, but the crowd was literally all 49ers fans because no one's – who's an L.A. Rams fan? Either you were a St. Louis Rams fan because you lived in St. Louis and there's not really much going on in St. Louis – or you were a Rams fan before they left, and now I guess you're a fan again. But a lot of people, I feel like they were doing – I saw in a social media clip of it, them doing interviews, and it this is going to get a little intense. But it looked like the most California-esque, like left-wing, like just buffoons who were just oh, – I've been a Rams fan uh, ever since they moved back to L.A. Yeah, because when they moved back to L.A., they they're actually like good. Like they came with Jared. They were actually like good. So – They've been good pretty much the whole time they've been back in LA. So Like it's not that hard to be like, yeah, I'm rooting for the hometown team now. That's like also happens to be really, really, really good. And they have Aaron Donald. Like, yeah, no shit. Like <laughs> I'd probably do the same thing if I wasn't a real football fan. Like I didn't like. I guess you can technically when teams come in, you can adopt them. But I feel like if you were a St. Louis, you would have to have been a Rams fan in LA. Then they moved to St. Louis, you stayed a fan. Then you now you're a fan against like that whole California football is wishy-washy besides the 49ers the Chargers and the Rams are kind of fake. Um I don't really count them. They're kind of just like one team in my in my eyes in terms of fan base just whichever one is good the 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 crowd in LA is going to like them. But anyway, Sean McVay, weird coaching Eric Stafford. He, I'm happy for Matthew Stafford. How do you not happy for Matthew Stafford? He was in Detroit, rotting away like a tomato at the bottom of the grocery store pile, like just sitting there and sitting there for sitting there. And finally, some grandma at, comes into shop right at 9 p.m. on a Saturday. They restock the shelf Sunday morning and she sees this one little tomato in the bottom. She's like, Oh, I'll cut this for my salad for my 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 sh- uh, son in law and his my daughter to come over tomorrow and with their baby boy, and we'll make a nice Nice uh, house salad with some tomato, but there's only like three tomatoes left. But this one looks the best. That's basically Matthew Stafford. He's just sitting there at the bottom, just waiting and waiting. And finally, Sean McVay was like, Hey, that guy's pretty good, but Detroit fucking sucks. So he's really bad because Detroit is bad. He's not even that bad. He just tries to make them stop being so bad. We're going to pull them into an organization that has talent, that has a defense, that has me as a coach in warm weather. It basically, in a dome because let's be face it, they the fucking place is in a dome. He can throw for a billion yards. And what do you do? He had a great season, not the best season. I'm not going to say he had an MVP type season, but he had a great season for what it was. And now he's in the Super Bowl and has a chance to, to win a championship finally. I mean, you can't not root for that. I mean, a lot of people are rooting for Cincinnati. And again, we'll get to the playoff preview or the Super Bowl preview next week. But I mean, yeah, they executed well. They came with their game plan. Sean McVay' lack of coaching is really what kept the 49ers in it, aside from some lackadaisical back-end defense. When I mean, you're leaving George Kittle wide open in the red zone. I don't know what that was. I mean, how you get let the best the best red zone threat the 49ers have. I mean, I know you're worried about Debo, but Kittle in the red zone, that's like – then the, the two tight ends Kelsey and Kittle both lost and both of them in the red zone and both of them in space I just don't understand why people don't cover them I mean I would rather la- I'd rather Brandon and Ayuk run for 75 yard touchdown same what I said about Brian Pringle rather than run for 75 yard touchdown one time over my head because I'm playing up on Kelsey or or Kittle so that was a weird defensive lapse by the Rams but overall they got their shit together they rushed a passer when it mattered the most at the end they played great on the back end like I said Jalen Rams should have had an interception so that's my whip around for today um Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back later this week or next week um, with a new new topic. We're going to give the NFL a pause. We're going to talk about something new. Are we going to talk about sports? I don't even know if we're going to talk about sports. Probably going to do sports. But we could also talk about life, liberty, the pursuit of my happiness. So who knows right now? So happy Monday, everybody, and have a great night. Thank you for listening. Take care.